Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for being here. Um, your presence matters. It, it, it means a lot. You know, we're in a season of, of buying gifts and getting presents, and I just keep thinking of, of you know, wanting God's presence and, and people's presence, and we go to families because we want to be in each other's presence, and so I, I just want you to know you being here matters so much. It matters so much to me, to our team, and, and it matters to Jesus, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Um, if we haven't had a chance to connect, or maybe it's been a while, let's do that today. I would love to connect with you today. Um, and and uh, and reconnect with some of you. We're in week two of a, a sermon series we're calling Streaming All the Way. And it's just a fun, fun, fun series that we're combining faith and film. And if you think about some of these old Christmas movies, sometimes the best stories that we appreciate on a screen, they, they reflect the greatest story uh, that the world has ever seen. You think about it, like there's so many good uh, uh, movies and truths that we can look at. And last week we talked about doubt, and, and if I have doubt, it doesn't disqualify me, but I can strengthen my faith, I can believe in God. This week, we're going to jump into probably the most Christmas movies of Christmas movies, the classic, number one probably for some of you. So let's jump right in to the first clip this morning. So we have two... Uh celestial beings there calling over uh, uh, the angel Clarence and he is now on a mission to save George Bailey's life. Um, but as you think about this, obviously this is from the movie It's a Wonderful Life and I, and I want to ask this question, I want to get you thinking a little bit today, what exactly is a wonderful life? Like for, for you, how would you define, if somebody had to ask you, how would you define this is, a, this is what a wonderful life would look like? Maybe, maybe it's, it's you know, some, having some material things, having some financial gain, having some success in my career, and all those things are, are fine, right? Uh, maybe yours, your definition would be, you know, just a life of adventure and experiences and fun trips with my family, and all those things are great. Um, but but for some, you know, during this season, during this holiday season, uh, this can be, I, I was looking up some stats, and, and, and I didn't confirm it. I was just reading through some stats, and so I didn't do a study on this. So don't, don't you know, get mad. 65% of people uh, express some sort of depression during the holiday seasons. This can be a really tough season for some. And when we're thinking about a wonderful life, for some, these things are great, right? Having stuff and having family and being able to do things and having a good time. But for some, their question is, is there more to this life? Is there more to this life than just having a nice car? Is there more than just having a job that I go to every day? Is there more to come? There's sometimes a missing ingredient in some people's lives that they're not ready to call their own life wonderful because it's just not there yet. One of the uh, uh, fun facts about this movie, the working title of It's a Wonderful Life was originally going to be called The Greatest Gift. The movie was going to be called The Greatest Gift. And I love that because that's, you know, obviously a, a great Christmas-themed movie being that we celebrate the, the entire existence of Christmas is because of the greatest gift, the baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, right? And the promise that he gives us for new life. In fact, Jesus 
I, I, I love the, the, the whole Christmas story, but when Jesus comes to earth and, and after we celebrate his, his birth and as he grows and he gets more wise and wise and wise, he, he not only you know, gives us this gift of life, but in John 10, 10, he said, this is the reason why I came, right? I came so that you can have life, but not just life, but so that you can have it in abundance, and for me, when I think about this, this verse right here, Jesus came, he was the greatest gift ever. He came so that I could have life and he didn't want me to just have life. He wanted me to have a wonderful life. He wanted me to have life in abundance. It sounds wonderful, right? But what about when it's not? What about, what about the reality of life sinks in and life isn't wonderful. I don't know if you caught it there, that last, uh, a, a few words there of that last clip, when, when God called over Clarence, the angel, he said, hey, we, we got somebody we need you to go to, and the angel said, well, is he sick? And what did God say? No, worse, he's discouraged. No, worse, he's discouraged. Again, maybe that's the season you find yourself in right now. Maybe there's some discouragement. Maybe, maybe there's some uncertainty in your life. There's some unsettledness going on. There's some tension that has come up. All of us either, you know, we, we've always heard you're either coming out of a, of a season, you're in a season, or you're getting ready to go into a season. All of us have been into these uncomfortable, discouraging moments in our life. And, and usually when, when we get into those places, what do we do? We try to figure out how to get out of them, right? We turn to something or someone in order to get out of the discouragement, the frustration, the unsettledness, whatever it is. Because we don't enjoy that place, right? We don't enjoy being in discouragement. We don't enjoy living a life that isn't wonderful. So we try to find a more comfortable one. Well, this is where the greatest gift ever comes into play. Many, many, many people across the world have turned to Jesus when they find themselves in this discouraging, unsettled, you know, frustrating time of life. Many people have turned to him. As a matter of fact, God said that he sent his son, why? To seek and to save that which was lost. But he also says, I sent my son so that you can have peace. So in the midst of George's discouragement, in the midst of your discouragement, we have the greatest gift, Jesus. The prophet Isaiah foretold the, the everything and everyone about Jesus when he said, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So Clarence asked, is he sick? And God says, no, worse, he's discouraged. And so, just like George Bailey, maybe you find yourself this season, I just need some peace. I just need a little bit of, a, a little bit of relief from the, from the struggle, from the battle, from the tension, from the unsettledness of my life. I, I want to dig into that word. I, I was reading and studying this week, and I came across several different definitions of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Maybe you've heard that before. It's often used as a reference, as an uh, appearance of just of calm, of tranquility, right? Uh, there's this calmness about this group or this person. 
The, the Greek word for peace is arene. Arene means unity or, or of one accord. Paul uses arene to describe what he wants the, the New Testament church to be, a church of unity, right? We, we want to be unified together in one accord. But I think the deeper, more foundational meaning of peace is this, the spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. The, the spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. In other words, let me, let me kind of put it like this, maybe a little easier to understand. God's promises are how we receive peace in the midst of our problems. God's promises are how we receive peace in the midst of our problems. If you and I want this peace, we have to understand something. The the. The person that Isaiah foretold about, he called him the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace never changes. Your circumstances change. My frustration changes. Our discouragement may change. Our our lives may change, but the Prince of Peace never changes. So how do I receive peace? How do I get to this place where, you know what? It may not feel like a wonderful life, but I can have peace in the midst. How do I get there? It's only through Jesus. One author said it like this, peace is not a feeling. Peace is an objective sense of harmony with God. So today in another inspirational story, kind of like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, we read of another man in the book of Esther. If you have, the, if you have your Bible, go to Esther with me. We're going to dig through that a little bit. And like George Bailey, this man finds himself in kind of this trapped in insignificant life. And his name is Mordecai. Mordecai was the um, uncle of the soon-to-be queen, and he's found in the book of Esther. And we're going to bounce around a little bit today, so I won't have you stand up today. But uh, go to chapter 2 with me, Esther chapter 2, and we're going to bounce around here and and look at a few verses. But we'll begin reading in verse number 5, Esther chapter 2, beginning reading in verse number 5. In the fortress of Susa, there was a Jewish man named Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the other captives when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took Jeconiah of Judah into exile. So, so right off the bat, we, we have the, the scene kind of set here. Mordecai was a Jew. His family was taken into captivity. Now he's living amongst the Gentiles as a Jew. Verse 7. Mordecai was the legal guardian of his cousin Hadassah, that is Esther, because she had no father and mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was extremely good looking. When her father and mother died, Mordecai had adopted her as his own daughter. So Mordecai the Jew adopts his cousin Hadassah following the death of her father and her mother, and he raises her as his own daughter. Now, just a, a few quick you know, bits of history. Hadassah was her her original Hebrew name, okay? Remember, she comes from this Jewish heritage, but now she's in the Gentile world. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along real well. So Hadassah was her Hebrew name, but her her new Gentile name was Esther. So we see Mordecai, he's got his cousin. She's beautiful. She's loved by many. 
verse uh, 17 in there in Esther chapter 2. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she won more favor and approval from him than did any of the other virgins. He placed the royal crown on her head, and he made her queen in place of Vashti. So Mordecai sacrificed. He brought this young lady into his house, his cousin into his house. It was well worth it, right? This little girl, she grew up, and she was going to become the queen of Persia. Verse 19, when the virgins were gathered a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther still did not reveal her family background or ethnicity as Mordecai had directed. She obeyed Mordecai's orders as she always had while he raised her. So again, remember, Jews and Gentiles didn't get along real well. If they found out she was from Jewish heritage, there's no telling what may have happened. So she was keeping that kind of a secret. Mordecai was like, look, we can't tell anybody this. Verse 21. During those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, became infuriated and planned to uh, assassinate King Ahasuerus. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he reported to Queen Esther. She told the king on Mordecai's behalf. When the report was investigated and verified, both men were hanged on the gallows. So, so... Mordecai's adopted daughter becomes the queen. Mordecai uncovers this assassination plot. They're going to go kill the king. He he goes and he saves the king's life, right? Life is rolling. Life is good. We've got a little secret over here. But listen, you're the queen. We just saved the king's life. Everything is great. But despite all of this, we keep reading. We find Mordecai is in a little bit of trouble. We find that following the demise of these would-be assassins, there was an enemy, there was a man named Haman that comes into the story. Haman was an evil man who had a hatred of all Jews. He had a hatred of Jews. In chapter 3, verse number 2, Esther says this, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him, But Mordecai would not bow down and pay him honor. Verse 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. And yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he realized he's a Jew. He realized he's not like everybody else. He scorned the idea of killing Mordecai. Listen to this. Instead, look for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So Mordecai went from my daughter or, or my, my step or my adopted daughter is the queen. I just saved the king's life to now. Here's this guy that the king's put in this position that wants to wipe out my whole heritage. He doesn't want to just kill me. He wants to kill all of us. Mordecai finds himself in a very tough spot with an adversary who did not want him to succeed. Let's jump back over to the movie for a second. George Bailey, most of you probably have walked through this movie or seen it. All throughout George Bailey's life, he finds himself in tough spots. He finds himself in struggles. He was kind of this loving man who would do anything for anybody. He was one that was very willing to help out, but often led to many struggles. As a kid, He saved his brother Harry's life from drowning in an icy pond. And when he did that, it led to an infection in George's ear and he lost his hearing. 
But the sacrifice proves very well as Harry grew up and he went and he saved dozens of lives and he won the Medal of Honor. But George had a price to pay. And, and there was other heroic moments in George's life. He prevents his boss at the local pharmacy from uh, Mr. Gower from accidentally poisoning one of his customers. I don't know if you remember that. He, wouldn't let, he, he was going to poison one of his customers on accident. And this was an act that Mr. Gower never, never, never forgot and thanked George for often. Finally, George, as he's walking through his life and he's figuring these things out, he's doing good things for, for people over and over and over again. Finally, instead of taking a honeymoon around the world with his, with his hometown sweetheart, Mary, George chooses to stay back home. George chooses to use his own money and, and help save the people of Bedford Falls from the financial ruin of the Great Depression. He gave and he gave and he gave, but discouragement continued to find him. He gave and he did what was right, but struggle still is what kind of marked his life. Just as just as Mordecai had Haman as an enemy, George had an old rival named Old Man Potter. And Old Man Potter was not one that was uh, uh, fun to be around. But Potter had an offer for George. After George went through, uh, I want to do good for people, but I keep just finding struggle. I keep finding discouragement. Potter has an offer for George. It was everything that George ever wanted. But there was a price to pay. Let's watch this clip. So George was faced with an opportunity. He, he, he was trying to do his best. He was trying to live his life. And he kept being met with struggle and struggle and struggle. And he was faced with this opportunity to turn to material things. He was faced with the opportunity to consider all the possibilities of what life would be like if he just changed his ways a little bit and went along with his enemy, this life of accumulating stuff and owning stuff and having stuff is, is, really, is really quite small, I think, is what George really came to the realization. And this is a question that I want to uh, kind of dig into a little bit more today. How much is one life worth anyway? How much is one life worth anyway? You see, Mordecai and George, they both proved that they wanted to use their life. Their life was there to save others. Their life was, was meant to help others, and that brought great value to the people around them. But sadly, Haman and old man Potter, they didn't view uh, uh, people quite the way that George and Mordecai do. They didn't view the lives of others as, as important or as worthy. They, they viewed people as, you know, uh, uh, obstacles in my way. So Haman plots to take Mordecai's life along with all of the other Jews. And Haman was given the green light by the king to go ahead and kill all of the other Jews. So Haman, or, or excuse me, Mordecai finds himself in this, in this tough spot. And just like George, George tells Mr. Potter no, but Mr. Potter doesn't stop. He doesn't, he doesn't just leave George alone. He, ended, he ends up getting Bailey's business and following the loss of, uh, I think it was $8,000, there was, there was uh, 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 no more that George could do. George, because this was supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, is stressed out to the max. 
If you keep going along in the movie, we see he blows up at his wife and his kids. He's got this stress-filled rage. I'm doing all these good things. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to serve people, but I keep hitting a roadblock. So in his shame, as he hollered at his wife and his children, George ends up leaving the house. He ends up running away, and he's contemplating, you know, is my life even worth living? If, if maybe I should just end it all, my family gets the life insurance money, and everything will be fine. He wasn't sure where to turn to in his darkest moments. And leading up to this, this life-altering decision, George breaks down and does the only thing that he had left to do. Let's watch this clip. So another uh, fun fact about this movie, that prayer wasn't scripted. It was uh, completely spontaneous. And, and uh, Stuart flowing from his own struggles. He said this, as I said those words, I felt the loneliness, the hopelessness of people who had nowhere to turn and my eyes filled with tears. I broke down sobbing and that was not planned at all. You see, this film, this movie was redemptive for for him. Over 80 films he was in, he said this was obviously his, his personal favorite. And I think here's the truth that, that he learned, that George learns, that, that Mordecai learned. And here's the truth that you and I can put in our heart this Christmas. If we find ourselves really doubting, is this a wonderful life? If we find ourselves in a life of just being unsettled and uncertain and discouraged in our darkest moments, God hears us. In our darkest moments, God hears and God is near. He feels what you're feeling. And when we humbly cry out to him, he is there to guide and to help. It's exactly what George did. He had nowhere else to turn. He was at wit's end. And we have to realize that God cares about our life. And think about it like this. When we get discouraged, when we get mad, when we get sad, when we get off track, what happens? We stop using our life to make a difference. George had been making a difference in many, many, many people's lives, but he got discouraged. He got frustrated, just as Mordecai. Mordecai was helping. He saved the king, but now he's discouraged. And when we do these things and we get our hearts and our minds off of what God has us here for, we stop using our life to make a difference. So as we wind down today, let me ask you this question. What kind of difference can one life actually make? What kind of difference can one life actually make? Just like George, Mordecai is broken. When he learns of Haman's plot to kill him and all of his people, he tears his clothes, he weeps bitterly, the Bible says. He begins praying and begging God for help. Just as George was sitting at that that bar praying to God, Mordecai finds himself in the same place. George learns the hard way, uh, the the only, in an unimaginable way. His guardian angel, Clarence, if if you keep watching, grants him the wish when George says, I wish I'd never been born. And George was able to watch his life as if he did not exist. In In his darkest moments, he's able to see the difference that his life truly made to the people around him. 
In Mordecai's darkest moment, he feels like he's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to be wiped from the face of the earth. He challenges his niece, his adopted daughter Esther, and he says, you got to go to the king. you got to risk it all. you got to tell him everything. And, and we gotta, he's got to spare us, and, and you got to go tell the king, and I know this is going to be a big deal. And she does so and saves thousands and thousands of lives we read about. And whether we realize it or not today, church, as we close our time together here in just a moment, one life can make a difference in this world. Maybe you've never saved your kid brother or your boss or your town. Maybe you've never saved your niece or a king or or all of a group of people. But I want you to know this this year, and I think this is how we can help define It's a Wonderful Life. Somebody needs you. You matter to someone. You are loved. You are rich. You are blessed to be a blessing. And every single one of us, if we get our eyes off of the, way, the, the reason God called us, we can very easily lose sight of the fact that, that, wait, I'm valuable in the kingdom of God? God can use me? God's purpose and destiny for your life can be felt for generations if you love and serve those around you. Following George's revelation, he realizes and he has the opportunity to see just how wonderful his life is. He finds himself back home. He finds himself overwhelmed by the love of his family, but he's still in trouble. He's still in need of a miracle. Let's watch this one last clip. We realize that your life is as rich as your relationships. You're looking for a wonderful life? Look at those relationships. Like Mary was to George, like Esther was to Mordecai, and just as Jesus is to us. The value of our life isn't measured by money, Stuff, it's measured by the richness of our relationships. You're only as rich as your relationships. Maybe you're looking at life this season and all you see is that discouragement, all you see is that struggle, all you see is that unsettledness. And God's calling you back to say, hey, let's focus on these relationships, starting with, relationship, the greatest relationship all of us can have, and that's with our maker. I want to send us out with this question and let you think about it this week. If someone were to ask us if we had a wonderful life, what would our response be and why? If I was asked if I had a wonderful life, what would my response be and why? This season... May we have rich relationships. May we be blessed with people who truly, truly, truly make our life wonderful. I pray that you have that relationship with the Lord. I pray that God's presence this Christmas season would be so full and so real in your heart and your life that I can go through all the struggles 
I can have enemies like Haman. I can have enemies like old man, Mr. Potter, but I can still say it's a wonderful life. Father, I just pray your blessing today on each and every family that's represented here. God, as we strive to serve you, as we strive to honor you so often, we find ourselves in a, a, a season of frustration. Lord, I pray that you would be our peace. The unsettledness of our heart, God. I pray that we would be able to see our relationships, the people that we're able to invest in, the people that invest into us. Let us not base our life off of circumstances, but off of relationships. Starting with you, the greatest gift. We love you, we praise you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.